0: Hello, and welcome to the Healing Vibe Podcast. I'm your host, Shanika Moore Clark. My mission is to provide listeners with enlightening conversations about all things healing. In this podcast, we explore the good, the bad, and the ugly in an attempt to inspire you to become your own best healer. On today's episode, I am so excited. This has been um, a conversation that I've I've wanted to have for quite some time. And on this very candid episode, I have the honor of talking with Jennifer Fannin, who was my very first guest. And she she really offers such a raw conversation about intimacy and relationship styles and she talks about her own journey moving from an anxious attachment style to a secure attachment style and she talks about the journey and the road to healing for her marriage and she really offers um, many that um, might feel uncomfortable with talking about their own relationship struggles especially those dealing with trauma and chronic illness and she really offers her voice. She gives awesome um, advice. And I think that you all will really enjoy this episode. I think it's one that doesn't get talked enough about. And so I'm so happy that we had the opportunity to have this really candid conversation. So I hope that you will listen and continue to support the podcast and share with your friends and family. Welcome everyone to the Healing Vibe podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking again with um, Jen Fannin. If you all um, remember um, she was actually my very first guest and um, we had planned to talk again and somehow we had some issues with um, technology and so here we are again and I'm really excited um, just to have this conversation because it is one that we don't tend to have. Um, People really shy away from talking about relationships and um, really getting into that whole um, mindset of um, our own self in regards to relationships and chronic illness and the messiness and just us walking through that um, entire journey, and so today I'm so excited that we're going to talk more about what that um, experience has been like for Jennifer, and um, I really love that she's always really honest and transparent, and she just has a lot to offer and gives us a lot to think about. So welcome again, Jennifer.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: All right, well, let's get into it. Um, So, I guess I would love for you to maybe start with sharing just a little bit again about you, your journey, um, and then um, kind of how your journey unfolded um, with your marriage, um, and maybe share a little bit about like how long you guys were together and just kind of like walk us through um, how that whole journey into. chronic illness and then relationship stuff and all that messy stuff unfolded for you? I know I said a lot.
1: Oh my Lord. Um. Okay. Well, a little bit about me just to give context. Four years, uh, I was very sick, deathly sick with chronic illness and it came out of nowhere, um, literally overnight. And when I say that there's truth and there's a lie to that. So the truth is that the how destructive it was to me was absolutely overnight. I woke up with it. But I had the whispers for years that I didn't listen to because of um, my de- my fantastic personality. I've just pushed through and don't worry about it. Ignore it. we got other things to handle. So I've been married to my husband. Uh, we're going on 11 years this year. Nice. And he's eight years older than me. He's never been married. I've been married once before to high school sweetheart. And um, I went into this marriage. He's a great guy. He's very kind and loving. Very good guy. High morals, integrity. Um, But I went into this marriage with broken parts. And he had broken parts. And so, of course, at the time, not realizing it and coming from a space of my own attachment styles and not knowing about that, my own um, personality traits that really I didn't understand, um, lack of emotional intelligence. I mean, really, lack mm-hmm. of emotional intelligence. So, um, As the, our marriage, we had our own challenges as far as, um, me being an anxious attachment style and he was avoidant, and I didn't understand that, you know, I really do preach for everybody to please get the book attached by Amir. I don't know if he pronounces his last name Levine or Levine, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's a fantastic book. It did change my life and I work with clients and I, we start with this book because the important thing to know about attachment styles is that researchers have discovered that your attachment style can be determined between as young as seven months to 11 months of age. Mm. So it is determined by the response you get from the caregiver when you send out your nonverbal cues right? Because we can't speak. So when we send out those cues, how the caregiver responds really imprints and determines attachment styles. So you have four main attachment styles, anxious, avoidant, uh, fearful, avoidant, and secure. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely anxious my entire life. So my husband is uh, avoidant, mm-hmm. A- Emotionally avoidant, completely. Very kind, like I said, but very uncomfortable with feelings and emotions. Very much a surface living kind of guy. <laughs> very masculine, manly, old school type of uh, personality traits. Anyways, um, we had our struggles because, of course, I'm a little miss anxious, wanting him to meet all my needs, you know, <laughs> all these years prior to getting sick. Meet my needs, meet my needs. And he's like, what? that's a lot. I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm super uncomfortable with these kind of conversations that would lead to fights. Yeah. And what would happen is um, prior to getting sick, the biggest disruption in our marriage was the fact that I wanted him to show me love in certain ways. And I would beg him, plead with him, reason with him, act a fool with them, you name it, I would do it trying to find a way to make it work. And no matter what I did, he was never going to meet that. He was never going to meet that. So here I am in a marriage and I've got the personality to keep going. I got the perfectionist. I have the overachiever. I have all of these parts running the show for me. I have all these subconscious beliefs, all these core beliefs. All of this is just driving me. And I have this marriage where I'm yearning for him to make me feel a certain way, right? To show his love a certain way that I want. And he can't do it. So guess what? I have, I'm at a point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to just, I guess I got to let it go. I guess I'm not going to get it. But what happens is you get angry. Mm -hmm. So I have this and I call it like, you know how like when you go to the ocean, or like, um, oh, be careful for the current, but you can't see it. Like you're looking at the ocean and it's calm, right? Right, right. You can't see that current, but it'll kill you. But mm-hmm. I have that current going. So on the surface, I'm still looking put together. I'm still super like, okay, bah, bah, bah. but inside, I'm angry. Yeah. I'm angry because it's feeding my unworthiness. It's feeding my fear of abandonment. It's feeding all of these parts of me. So I get sick. And guess what? Needs get met. Mm -hmm. I start getting, he starts being a little bit more attentive. And if you know my husband and who, you know, I'm telling you, he's the nicest guy on the planet, but he's just, he treats everybody equally kind. He doesn't care who you are. Everybody gets equal attention, loving tenderness, all of that. But he just, he can only go so far. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as a wife, you know, you're wanting that little, can I be special? I'm not <laughs> the neighbor. Can't you treat me more special? So I get sick and I get, Uh, treated very kindly, very gingerly, very tenderly, all of these things. And I realized in my sickness, when I became more regulated, that, wow, this was really, really playing a role in my illness. This is all of this anger on top of all of the past stuff, the trauma, um, my entire life of just beyond normal life. This was part of the tipping point. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm sick and I realize how angry I am at this person and disappointed. And I start doing all of this work and I start uncovering the truth of me. I start really recognizing what's really there. And I have to take a deep look at my marriage and my husband. Because what happens with this work is two things. You grow, and your partner does too, either through um, osmosis or through, you know, he just feels like, okay, I'm going to learn too. Mm-hmm. Or you grow apart. It's like one or the other happens when you go through this chronic illness thing, right? Yeah. And for me, with all the decisions that we made through my illness mold, like ripping out the house, spending all our money, going bankrupt, losing everything. I mean, we lost everything. I mean, he still had his job, but when COVID hit, he was forced to have to make a decision and he had to make a decision. And I had to quit my job and couldn't go back. And so we spent all the money on trying to get better, trying to do this, trying to do that. So what happened is, is my husband now is full of anger. So I'm Mm -hmm. angry, sitting here sick with chronic illness, realizing that I've settled. Because I do deserve to be feeling these feelings. I do deserve to have this love. I do deserve all of that. And he's now angry because we spent all our money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what the hell do you do? So he started acting out and getting really ugly. And mind you, there's no intimacy because my condition wouldn't allow it. There's no connection. There's no physical touch. There's no nothing because I'm in so much pain. So for years, years, no physical intimacy. Mm. And, you know, we look at our situation as it's all about us. We're the ones suffering. We're the ones going through it. We're the ones really, you know, exhausted, chronic fatigue, whatever, fill in the blank. But we have to stop to understand that they're going through it, too. They're exhausted. They're done. They're over this situation. And they could be have empathy, but they're still done. They, I mean, everybody has a limit. And then you don't have the intimacy. And then it's like we get even more angry with them instead of having the empathy that they're going through this journey with us.
0: Absolutely. Let me stop you really quickly. So,
1: some of what I've heard, I mean,
0: just about everything you've mentioned, I resonate with a hundred and ten percent because me, anxious attachment style, hubby, avoidant attachment style, and I just wanted to point out that these two attachment styles tend to be magnets for each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Even though we're so <laughs> different. But for some reason, we tend to attract each other because the anxious attachment style has a fear of abandonment, and they also, in some way, subconsciously have a fear of intimacy. The avoidant attachment style, they have a very conscious fear of intimacy, but a very subconscious fear of abandonment. So somehow it plays out where we attract each other, and then there's a push-pull I want more. I'm running away. I, you don't love me enough. Well, I, what What else am I doing? It's, it's just this push-pull. And I think that um, it's just so common. Um, we don't even realize. So I'm so glad that you even talked about that. Um, the other thing I wanted to, when you said um, that you wanted to feel love in a certain way, it made me think about the idea of subconsciously, when we get sick, there's like a need mm-hmm. that um, we want to be taken care of. So I think part of it was you, you, it wasn't a conscious need, but wanted to receive maybe extra care from your husband. One of the manifestations of illness. I don't know if you can speak to that or if that resonates with
1: you. Yeah. And I tell you, when I first learned about secondary gains or payoffs, um, it really pissed me off. I was like, how dare, I can't remember who I heard it from, <laughs> say that, you know what, if they were here in front of me, like rah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I was so angry. And then I was like, because, you know, I'm like, mm, wait, mm, hmm, yeah. well, <laughs> huh? think that might be my truth. So I realized, yes, no, it's absolutely an unconscious way to get a need met. But Mm -hmm. I did. I did. I really did. And I'm honest and I tell him that. I'm like, I finally got what I was wanting. Not the way I wanted it, but I finally got what I was wanting was to feel special. And um, so I totally believe that secondary gains play a huge role in chronic illness huge i mean i i I, would be hard for me to argue that it wasn't in every case
0: yeah i think so too all right so you you talked about i think what you were then moving on to was the idea of when we're stuck in our own trauma or chronic illness it's like me 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 Mm -hmm. but i think you started to get to a place where you started to recognize that there was resentment brewing on his end and you were starting to notice that. So maybe walk us through what that looks like, um, what that looked like in your situation. Um, Just because I think a lot of us, I mean, even for myself, it took me a long time to get to a place because I was so much in my own victimness that it was hard for me to see that my partner was struggling and, (laughs) and that their voice and, and their needs were, um, not being met. So maybe speak to that.
1: Yeah. And I think too, with the avoidant, they don't really come out and tell you their needs. You know, they take more of a back seat, and yeah. um, that's their comfort zone. So Chris never came out and expressed to me really how he was feeling. You know, I had a lot of guilt through the chronic illness because I'm a very, very independent woman and I'm, a, I take care of myself. I handle myself. I have my own money. I have my own bank account. Like, that's how I roll. So for me to become dependent, I felt so much guilt because I felt like a burden. And that's one thing I could never be is a burden to someone. So um, I would constantly say to him, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he would be like, sorry for what? This is life. Sorry for what? So he always reassured me. However... (laughs) It, he had his own current running in him where he was angry and he felt guilt for feeling angry. Mm-hmm. And he felt guilt for, you know, holding on to this because how should he feel guilty when he sees what I'm going through? What I'm going through is real, right? So. Um, he held on to that. What happened is it built up in him. So as we're spending all our money, as we're depleting ourselves uh, financially, which is a huge deal, once we're depleting ourselves emotionally, physically, every which way we're depleting ourselves, this is compounding in him. And so he's starting to have outbursts, very bad, uncontrollable, angry, scary outbursts. And, you know, I'm a pretty strong person, but I'm like, "Mm, I'm a little afraid of this. So I was realizing he's out of control and he's not an out of control person, but he was out of control and it didn't just happen once. It didn't just happen twice. It didn't just happen three times. It happened four times. So finally, the fourth time I'm thinking to myself, this is really bad. This is becoming toxic. This is becoming a pattern. This is becoming okay. This is becoming a coping mechanism because he can't really explain what his feelings are because it's so uncomfortable for him. So I realized, even though I'm sick, even though I'm on the couch, I have to allow him to really say how he feels without me getting attached to what he says. Mm. Mm. And so well, there was a time when it was really bad, and I he's and having a, a moment, and he's angry. And I said, can you please sit down? And it took me like five times to get him to, and I said, I'm coming to you. I want you to really be able to explain yourself without feeling guilty, without feeling bad, without feeling wrong or shame, mm-hmm. because this is how we can heal. What is it you're so angry about? And he couldn't explain it. You know, his way of arguing was very surface level, pissed off. It was, you know, the AC, it was, it was this, it was that. I was like, no, no. And I kept saying, no, what really is it? Okay. He couldn't go. It was silence. I said, if you need time, I want to know what it really is. And I don't want you to feel afraid to tell me. So it was probably about 30 minutes later, he came back, he sat down and he goes, I don't feel like I matter. Mm. I don't feel heard. I don't feel like I'm a consideration at all anymore. And I said, this is where it's at. So I said, what else is there? And I say this on my page. I say this to my clients. This is my go-to. I'm going to trademark it. What's really there? Mm. (laughs) I love that. Because we all live on the surface. We all say these superficial, simple words, simple language, pissed off, fear, this, that. No, 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 no. What's really there? What was really there is he felt abandoned. Mm-hmm. And so once he was able to say all the things he needed to say, and once, and I was able to sit in neutral and not allow the emotions and the words coming out of his mouth to attach to me. I just had to let him be him. Mm. And that was a turning point in our marriage where he actually was able to release what was really there versus me putting a Band-Aid on an infected wound. So I kept Band-Aiding the infected wound being meaning him. I kept putting a Band-Aid on it, you know, trying to make peace, trying to tell him what I think he wanted to hear, trying to... But it was still infected. And so the band-aid would get wet and come off. And then he would rage again. So once I was able to say, no, let's take the band-aid off. Let's heal the wound. What is really here keeping it infected? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It stopped. It all mm-hmm. stopped. Because now when he feels a, any kind of feelings or emotions or something comes up or he's irritated or he's frustrated, he feels safe. Coming Mm -hmm. to me and saying, hey, you know, I'm feeling this, but I think it's really this. And I'm like, okay. And I don't take his manhood away from him. I don't emasculate him. I'm like, awesome, because I want him to thrive. I want him to live the best life. He's going to be 53. And this is, he's not alone in this. I mean, you and I know from our backgrounds, me in healthcare, and you in mental health, This is a chronic condition in men of not being able to explain how they feel. He feels safe being able to come to me and share what he's feeling. He feels safe that he doesn't have to um, present a certain way according to maybe how he was told to as as a young boy by his father and he yeah. he just feels like he can be authentic and and feel like it's okay and it's it's literally changed our mar- the dynamics of our marriage like unbelievable
0: yeah i think and and i think that's a big one because um you know sometimes it's like we we point our fingers to the other person and we're like You know you're not doing this you're not doing that but i think a lot of it is like can can you also can we also be the safe space for our partners and i think that will like shift things like tremendously because when we can hold space and like not be defensive or reactive it is so much easier for our partners to be able to be as transparent and as open as, um, as we need them to be. But I know that like there was a point where you all had considered divorce,
1: right? Mm, yeah, it was during those times when he was blowing up. And the anger was so bad. And it was really scary. See, I was like, hmm, I'm not the girl. Okay, so I'm not the one that's going to be dealing with that. And uh, no, so I I just said to him, maybe we need to get a divorce. And he said, yeah, maybe we do. And, you know, we sat with that and we actually like started to kind of really talk about like what we would do, what we would split up, how we would do it. And then it was the very last time that he got super angry. And I mean, it just really hit me like a a ton of bricks that he's just hurt. And I feel like we confuse hurt with a lot of things. And I think especially with men I think especially with uh avoidance you know it's so out of character for them to talk about their feelings and really go there and so I think they build up and they react and then when we see them react or get angry you know we're just kind of like whoa you're a jerk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't believe you yeah you know and it's like oh no he's hurting and when Mm -hmm. I saw that he was hurting you know I've He's a little boy inside and he's hurting. Not, you know, not in a derogatory way, but there's just a little boy in there who's really hurting that he's not seen and he's not valued. And here he is in his mind, giving up everything for me, giving up all our money, everything he's worked his entire life for. He's going to be 53. He gave it all up for me. Mm. And here I am going, take, 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 take. Yeah. And of yeah. course not by choice. You know, you don't consciously act like that, but that's what's happening because that's what the illness does to you. Mm-hmm. It it robs you of of understanding things. It robs you of seeing big picture. It robs you of that because it's so intense and it's all cumbersome. So I think that last uh conversation was one to where we didn't we realized that okay, I think we can work through this and I created my terms and conditions, and I talk about that. Everybody deserves terms and conditions without guilt or shame. And mm-hmm. I told him, "What is his, what are his terms and conditions? And so we created those, and they feel good to both of us. And so we're living from that space at this moment. Wow. Love that. And you all didn't,
0: you didn't go to therapy, right? You were able to do this work together, right?
1: No. So for me, like through my entire journey, I've only had one, I've had two therapy um, visits for an issue around my mom's death that I needed help working out. But absolutely, I have not, I've done all this, but listen, I'm telling you, I love this work. I really dived into attachments, inner child, mm-hmm. um, self-sabotage, you know, everything with, with un- unconscious beliefs, just red core beliefs, understanding me. So when I started doing this work and understanding me and really got the picture, like so clear, it's not even funny. I'm able to do it for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Because he doesn't, you know, for him, he's going to go to a therapist, his guard's going to be up, his wall's going to be up, because for him, he's going to be like, somebody who's like, just picking, picking sides and picking apart. And he was too sensitive for something like that. He's already hurting too bad. So it's like, okay, I can be at this point, I can rise up above our situation and allow him to be authentic without attaching the meaning to it
0: right absolutely
1: and i think you know it
0: just speaks to that there's different ways of like you know you don't have to necessarily go into therapy like we can develop our own um self-healing mechan- you know our own self-healing strategies by doing the work and it sounds like you recognize what was best for your own situation what was best for your partner and I'm so glad that you now can help others um, in, like, I think you're just so dynamic in that you can help people to like connect the dots. Like it's not just the, um, the protocol, it's not just the supplement, it's not just the this, but like you are helping like piecing these things all together. And it's all it's just fascinating how it's all so connected. Um, Oh, yeah, I appreciate that about you. Um, So while also that there was no like physical affection um, Mm -hmm. while we were in the depths of this, and I know that many, 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 many women in particular can relate to this. Um, And so I would love for you to speak to that um, because I think that, you know, there's, Things like, um, you know, when you're in the depths of it, there is um, libido issues, there is body, I mean, there's just so much into this. Um, and so I wanted to know, like, how, how have you worked through that or, or what advice would you give to women who are dealing with that?
1: Well, and you know, it's very interesting for me, I, it runs so much deeper than, um, body image or the libido for me, I realized, and this is Mm -hmm. super raw right here, but if it helps women, Mm I've realized that I have an issue with sexual intimacy and it's would be with any man. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I was never worked through a sexual, two sexual assaults growing up. One, when I was a very little girl by a neighbor who, uh, they were, Uh, it was a terrible situation. And I just kind of like with always had a strong personality, just ran and told my mom and bounced back. But I never really processed a certain part of it where it was like how I always felt men were domineering. And that, that as I grew went with me in my subconscious mind. And I carried it into my marriage. So for me, I've never really connected, enjoyed, been a huge person that was into sexual intimacy. And now I realize why. And so, um, when I got sick, it was such a blessing because there wasn't the the feeling that I think so women have of it's my duty Mm-hmm. And I really feel a lot of women, even clients of mine too, struggle with this idea that, you know, it's a duty. You know, we have to do it. We have to do it when we don't want to. And I think there's so much underneath that that needs to be revealed and discussed and alchemized so we can actually move through that. And it might be what we witnessed, how our dad treated our mom. It might be your own issue with uh, maybe a sexual experience. It may be the way your husband approaches you. There are so many things that go into this. It was really seeing it for what it was. Again, asking myself, what's really here? Why don't I? What's really going on within me? Where are these thoughts coming in? Where is my body? Why is my body so tense? Why does it not feel like something I'm interested in? You know, um, I, so I had to go and visit those places and the why. And then I had to talk about it with him. And it kind of made sense to him. And so from there, we were able to rewrite how our intimacy what's going to be okay
0: so what how like how what advice would you give to to women like how do we approach how do they approach their partners so what do you think i mean i know that um that's a loaded question but what would you say would be some of the things that would be most helpful in kind of having that combo?
1: I mean, it, that is loaded question because <laughs> my personality type is I am just like doing it. So I know Ooh. that that's not everyone's comfort level. And I think that so it would be what do you want to address? And then how can we create um, safe steps to move towards it? And I think that's really going to look different for everyone, because if you have a husband who is a domineering, he's not open, he doesn't care, he's not workable, then you know, what are you going to do with that? And then if you have someone who maybe you have a husband who does care, but he's uncomfortable talking about that, you're going to have to approach that differently. So I really encourage you just to think about your situation and what's the goal. And then how mm-hmm. can we create safe, small steps to open a door to where both parties can feel okay talking about it and not defensive?
0: hmm Yeah, that's huge, huge. The defensiveness. Um, So what are the things that, um, you know, like, as people are walking through this journey, especially with chronic illness? What are some ways like how do you think that partners can support um, their partner, whether it's, you know, a mate a wife a husband whatever how do you think like what are the best ways to to support the other person that is on the the journey that is dealing with the chronic illness like what do you think you would have needed um back then that maybe um you didn't have
1: i um See, I, I, that's a hard one for me because I have a husband who was very, like when I got sick, it was so dramatic that it really shook him to the core. So the thing that I thought I was missing was when I overcame things, right? Cause I did all this work for exception of like a couple visits with a couple practitioners, um, to help, I did this work on my own. I have no family. So it is mm-hmm. just me and my husband. I have no friends. So my support system was zero. Mm. Okay, so I didn't have anybody but me, myself, and I to get through this. And with my husband, I, he got frustrated with how bad I was. And I know the frustration now is due to the fact that he couldn't fix it. See, men want to fix it. They want to mm-hmm. fix it, and they want it to be gone and move on. That's built into most men. So I think the frustration that he felt with me not being able to make the progress, but then when I would overcome things and I would take the leap and the step to, um, you know, push through something and I'd overcome it. So like the first time I walked to the driveway, he didn't Mm -hmm. celebrate that. The first time I walked down the street, he didn't celebrate that. When I went to the gym, it wasn't a big enough celebration. It was just like, oh, that's good. So I would think that it's the encouragement to get uncomfortable, the encouragement from the spouse, the partner to say, I can't believe you just did that. That was amazing. I think that's missing. And I'll be honest, I think it's missing in almost every person I know. That yes. part's missing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I would a trillion times <laughs> agree. And I can't relate to that.
1: Yeah, and I would get so mad. I would be like, "Did you just freaking see what I did? Are you dumb? Did you see what I did? Like, that's what I would be like." He'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I think that's great." And I'm like, "What? right? You should right. be doing cartwheels. I know you're 250 pounds, but you should still be doing
0: cartwheels." Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I I can relate on so many levels.
1: <laughs> But I will say, I will say to the end of that, I will say, I literally just had this conversation last night with a client. I will say, this was a tipping point, again, for me to realize that, oh, I'm looking for, and I think it's natural, I think it's normal, I think it's human, that we all want to be celebrated. We all want the validation when we go through something hard. But Mm -hmm. again, it made me realize I'm the only one I'm going to get it from. And even though my little tiny sweetheart wants it so bad and I'm yearning for you to see me so bad, if you don't, you're just making me stronger. Yes,
0: I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we, we validate, we have to validate or or we have to cheer for ourselves, um, regardless, regardless. Um, And so I think that just speaks to the idea of, you know, that we can shift our attachment styles too, because it sounds like you went from a place where you were feeling the need to have that type of validation or whatever. And that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with with wanting that. But I think that, you know, this idea that we're stuck in whatever our attachment style is is just not true. And that mm. um, we can get to this place. And I think that's one of the beautiful gifts about this journey is that um, you get to really you you know, it's like this really awesome opportunity to. Grow and to transform and to develop like that own inner self that I don't think anything else um, <laughs> will be able to give you that, um, you know, opportunity if you allow it, if you choose to do the work. So, um, you know, sometimes when we're stuck in, in the depths of the illness, it's hard to, to see the gift and I know you talk a lot about that um, on, your, on your social media, and um, I love that you always share that. So I just wanted to put that out there.
1: Yeah, I, and that's why I'm so passionate about it, because I no longer am anxious. I'm definitely more secure. I mean, there might be moments where I'm like, eek, but mm-hmm. my go-to is secure, right? My foundation is secure, My inner child archetype is no longer needs to be this rescuer protector. Okay. I no longer need to come from these spaces. I no longer need to have these core beliefs of unworthiness. I no longer, I can rewrite my entire existence, which is why I am so passionate about it. Because I see that if you don't do that, if you don't devote time to you, if you don't commit to doing the work, you will literally just re manifest a different something to put you in the same position. It's a vicious cycle, unless you are willing to commit to rewriting who you are. Yeah, I agree with that. So um, as we're coming closer to then,
0: I, um, I would love for you to maybe share what has been One of the biggest lessons that you've learned in regards to, you know, your own attachment style, um, the way that you've related in relationship and how you are now choosing to walk in relationship, maybe kind of share something that you think um, would be really helpful to others that are are in the midst of this right now.
1: Yeah. um, Old me. Very, very anxious, very scared, very fearful, very everything like heavy energy. Oh, it was so hard to push through, wear a mask, a veil, do all of that. The new me after really doing that work and rewriting my who I am as a person on this planet from here on out and actually realizing, this is big, realizing that there is only one of me forevermore on this planet. And how do I want to show up? And how do I want to walk through a marriage? How do I want to walk through life? And really just integrating the fact that I want freedom and authenticity and fun and spontaneity and not just say it, how am I going to live it every day? how am I living life on my terms? Not on my husband's terms, not on family's terms, not on society's terms, not on an illness's terms, Mm. my terms. And what does that look like every day? And that has brought me so such the peace that I was yearning for my entire life. And so I invite everyone, to look at that for themselves and realize, okay, this might be uncomfortable. This might be wonky. I might really hate where I'm at right now, but you don't have to forever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. So powerful. So um, I just have been really blown away by everything that you've shared. And I know a lot of people are going to um, relate to lots of what you've talked about. I just want to give some hope to people that are still on this journey. And I would love to hear how are the two of you now? Like what what does your relationship look like um, as compared to how things were before um, all of this?
1: Yeah. So honestly, the progression has been enormous. Um, you know, we're still two individuals working through our own stuff, and that's never going to end, right? But we are at a place where there's a safety and a desire, and there's a sense of okayness for us both to bring up what is coming up, what is rising up out of us, and to be able to have that discussion with each other. And it not happened to be where there's a defensiveness wrapped in it. It can, it can be like, okay, I see your perspective. I understand where you're coming from. And we call them check-ins. And we do check in a couple times a week. Like, I'll just say to him, hey, I'm just checking in. How are you? What's going on? Um, is there anything that, you know, you want to talk about? And it takes that pressure off of only ever discussing something in the moment, that's kind of bad. So we've kind of created this where like, Oh, you know what, let's talk about blah, blah, blah. And it might not even be related to our marriage, our relationship. It's just increasing the communication about what's going on in our life. So for example, I said to him the other day, when we did a check-in, I said, and it's very informal, like, you know, you can tell by my vibe, I'm not someone structured. So I was like, hey, I just want to do a check-in. I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. How are things going? You know, is there anything you want to talk about? And he's like, oh, I want to share with you. I forgot. I had this epic conversation with my friend Jay about um, subconscious beliefs, stuff I learned from you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then we just talked about that. And then maybe, you know, another time he might say, you know, I've been sitting on this. Didn't want to bring it up yet because I wasn't quite sure how I really felt about it. But the other day you mentioned, and it made me feel this way. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay. Because that's not my intent, but that's so interesting that that's Mm -hmm. how you took it. Wow. Thank you for sharing. I wouldn't have been able to come up with that on my own. And he's like, really? And I'm like, no. I don't see it that way. And so it's the allowing of different perspectives without it being wrong. Mm
0: -hmm. Love it. That is just, um, gosh, wow, night and day. And I think um, it just speaks to the fact that both of you have made a commitment to keep um, allowing for each other to be who each other is and giving each other space to show up um, the way that you 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 both want to, so my other question is, how do you all continue? How do the two of you continue to nourish the relationship? I know sometimes I'll see like your little um, stories, and the two of you will be going like on a date. Um, so just tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, as you know, with chronic illness, it robs you of joy, it robs you of romance, it robs you of intimacy, it robs you of so much, okay? It really does. And so you kind of have to rebuild. And sometimes you're like, how do I even begin? Mm -hmm. So for us, it was small things. Like when we're sitting on the couch, we hold hands. If we're watching TV or I'll have my hand on his knee, for so long that the actual touch, the physical touch was so missing. It was just completely like obsolete in our marriage because I was so miserable. I didn't want touched. And he, and so it was like we had to kind of relearn how to do that because for a couple of years we were living like roommates. Mm-hmm. And it's awkward. There's an awkwardness to it as you're coming back out of it. So we had a conversation and I said, can we just learn from the beginning? And so we make a concerted effort for me to just touch him or he touches my hand. And when we're driving, I'll have my hand on his leg and um, When, you know, we're out in public, I'll have my hand on the small of his back. Or if there's a crowd, he does the same with me. Then we make dates. And I'm really big on dates. Um, And the date never has to be expensive because as we know, we have gone beyond, right, spending all our money trying to figure this out. So dates for me is can we just go for a walk somewhere new? You know, uh, lately we've been doing a lot of bike rides. So where can we go for a bike ride? And then we stop and we just sit on the ground and we chat. That's a plays a huge role in this. And so if you are in a place where you are trying to nurture the relationship and restore it, okay, and then maybe even go above and beyond where it was before because now you're enlightened to certain aspects of your relationship and what wasn't working for either one of you, create um, dates fun, spontaneous, nothing expensive. What can we do today? What can we do today?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And those are all really great suggestions. Thank you for sharing. So I know that you, um, you
1: offer coaching and I think you have, is your new, pro, is it called Thrive or Yeah. It's deep dive and thrive. And it's where we really cover the attachment styles. We really cover inner child archetypes. We really go into sabotage. We really go into all these unconscious core beliefs, limiting beliefs. We really go into all these parts of you that make you up and we pull it up and we have raw conversations and it's a one-on-one and it's like, okay, it is for the person that is done with being in the shit show. If you're done being in the (laughs) the shit show, and you want to have a real conversation and get through it and move on with your life, that's my energy. Yes. Um, And it's a, you require
0: a three month commitment, right? Is that?
1: Yeah. So I do a three month um, package and I do offer breakthroughs. So it's a, I do offer a one hour breakthrough of somebody, quite a few people. If they're just stuck in one specific area, they'll book a breakthrough with me and we work through it. And, you know, it's just like, okay, bring to me what you got going on. Um, they'll literally email me a little bit about their story because I need context. And then I just meet with them. They tell me what's going on, and boom, all right, here's a plan. Yes, I love it. So awesome. Um,
0: and this also, I mean, you also can help to integrate other stuff, like so, people that are also needing certain, you know, recommendations for things like supplements and things like that. You also.
1: Yeah. So the type of person that's going to work best for me is a person that's already in surrender. So they've been sick long enough. They've done all the things they've gotten to a specific place where they're like, Oh my God. Right. I'm like, okay, what it, what, you know, it is what it is. What am I going to do? That's when they're ready for me. Um, because i honestly know my limits with doing this work and i'm not the best fit for anybody that's hypervigilant i'm really not the best fit because my energy is a little bit more for let's cut to the chase let's go you've already done all that and the person that will do well is somebody who's just kind of more in that surrender state who's like i see my situation for what it is i realize that i'm just chasing a rabbit there's more to me i'm ready to go to that And so, um, but I do help clients that are in that surrender state with like, if they have, um, areas within their health that they're trying to support it and that Mm -hmm. supporting comes from an energy of love, not fix it. So I need to support myself in this area. I'm, you know, I could utilize more of this and it's all about love, not fixing. Yes, that's awesome. Well, of course,
0: um I always love talking with you. I think that you just have so much um wisdom and and I love your um vulnerability and your willingness to share. I think that so many people will benefit because they get to hear themselves in your story and there's not like shame in you sharing your story. I think it just really helps others to see what's possible. So I'm um, just so grateful that you, um, you shared your story or parts of your story. And I would love for you to share where folks can connect with you again.
1: I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is um, the Jen Fannin, And so you can find me there. I, um, I'm pretty open. You'll see that if you don't already know me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah,
0: I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate you. And for you listeners, thank you so much for tuning in again to this episode on the Healing by podcast.